Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Good to be with you. It's Friday, the day that we sacrifice for our Lord, and the norm is to not eat meat. I just remind you, uh, as we remind ourselves here every week, well, we don't have meat here on um, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, but, um, but Friday is the day that we are to make a sacrifice for our Lord, and, um, uh, the, the the norm is to not have meat uh, in honor of the Lamb of God to enter into his sufferings. Um, the U.S. Uh, bishops have asked us to maintain the sacrifice of meat, abstaining from meat in reparation for the abortions committed. But uh, the fact is we are never we are not excused um, or relieved from offering a sacrifice every single Friday uh, to our Lord. And again, meat is the norm. And if for some reason we cannot offer meat on a particular Friday, then we have another sacrifice to to um, to give, to come up with. Um, again, I've mentioned before, there are vegetarians who don't eat meat at all. And so they've never had to give up meat. But the fact is, they're not excused. None of us are from the Friday sacrifice. Um, and so if you're a vegetarian, you need to give up other areas of food or some other sacrifice every Friday. Again, people that are ill or um, regardless of age, um, if, you're, if you're young, um, I think it's under 14 and over 59, um, the fasting is excused, but not the sacrifice not the sacrifice. We are all capable of sacrifice. Um, And fasting does not need to be the mode of sacrifice, but abstaining from certain things is. Um, And I think I mentioned to you on my way to the Catholic Church, I got a waitress job in an Italian restaurant, um, and we would have Catholic families come in every night for huge lobster feasts because they couldn't have meat. That's not exactly the idea of abstaining and entering into the sacrifice of Christ. So it's just good to to remind one another. I've been with priests, with parishes, and they serve bacon and eggs for breakfast, and I don't say anything, but it, it's just so sad to me that uh, our faith is being so dwindled away like that. So you know, dear ones, um, we have not been able to take your emails because of some technical glitch now for a few days. I've gotten one or two that came through, one or two questions on Facebook, but um, we have a ton now because the system has been repaired, and now we have a ton. So rather than um, taking you through uh, some other teaching for the first half hour today, I'd like to get, in fairness to you all, I'd like to get to your emails. And... um, in answering your emails, uh, there is no one whose question is 
singular to that person that does not also apply to many, many others. So hopefully it will be a helpful hour for us going through the emails. I'm going to begin with the first one. And again, you know our toll-free number is one 511 5483 and you can email at mother at We'll get to as many emails as we can today, and you can also text at that toll-free number. And I'm going to begin with an anonymous email that says, Dear Mother, in the midst of so much confusion and deception in the world and the church, what should I do? I am 16, and I need so much guidance to the fullness of the truth, which the priests at our church do not really assist us with. My whole life, all I've been fed were half-truths or not even the truths at all. Starting a few months back, I've been desperate for the fullness of the truth about my life, the church, God, almost everything. I would go to a priest, but like I said, they don't give me what I desperately want, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Mother, what should I do? Well, you know, dear one, I love an email like this from a 16-year-old, and if starting from a few months back... You've become desperate for these things. That's the grace of God in your life, my dear one, and he has something very special for you. I would suggest a couple of things. To begin with, if you could find a Latin Mass rather than the Novus Ordo, I would suggest you go there because you will have the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth presented in a reverent way. I'm not saying there aren't Novus Ordo parishes that... um, are very reverent and give you that, but uh, they're rare to find these days. Um, And so I suggest, if you can, that you find a Latin parish that celebrates the Latin Mass. Um, Or at least if you find an Ovis Auto parish that uses the Latin, you're going to be in a more reverent atmosphere. You won't have female altar servers. You'll have altar servers that are properly dressed and trained. So um, that's the first thing I suggest. Now, you're 16. Uh, if you go to church with your family and your family does not go to a reverend church uh, and they won't let you go separately, then you need to put up with that um, and not rebel. If you, uh, if, if you can let your parents know that you have found a church and you'd really like to go there instead, with or without them, if with their approval, then that would be great. But don't rebel. Trust God that he has opened your heart to all of this, and he will He will make the way. I would suggest, dear one, that you get a catechism. You can read through the current by yourself. You don't. Our life, our faith, does not need to depend upon priests or bishops or books or anything else. Um, Michael Matt of Remnant TV uh, just... Uh, put up at least three three or four videos on YouTube of his trip to Japan, and he's explained how St. Francis um, uh, Xavier went and converted hundreds of thousands of the Japanese to Christianity, which was the Catholic Church. Um, and they went after that. For two, he converted over 300,000, and they went for... 250 years without a priest, without the sacraments. And there is a remnant there today, 
from a quarter of a century with no priests, no sacraments, no one to teach them. And they remained faithful. That remnant remained faithful. And uh, Michael Matt went back now, and he found a traditional priest and a, a traditional uh, Latin Japanese community who hasn't uh, uh, swerved from the faith. And so that's one thing I could I would suggest if you could find a Latin parish society of um, a fraternity of the Society of Saint Peter or another Latin parish in in communion with the church. I would suggest that. I would suggest you read through the catechism. Get a couple of friends, perhaps, who or a mentor, uh, who uh, feel as you do, have been robbed of their faith, and they no longer want pablum. Uh, they want the truth. And read the catechism together. Now, if you're really, 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 really serious, um, let me just say the catechism is not an authoritative doctrine, a document. It is a document expressing the authoritative teaching of the church. But the catechism itself is not infallible. Um, hopefully that what it teaches is infallible. But if you really, really want to be serious and dig into some very wonderful, wonderful um, Catholicism, I would suggest a catechism that Father Chad Ripiger suggests. It's the Catechism Explained, an exhaustive explanation of the Catholic religion. It's a black book with gold writing. It's called the Catechism Explained, an exhaustive explanation of the Catholic religion. It's hardcover, and it was it was put together... I believe in, listen to this now, 1899. But it's the Catholic faith through the ages, beloved. Discipline, how we live out that faith, has uh, evolved, changed through the years. But the faith has not and cannot. The faith is true. What was true in 1899 is true today. It cannot change. Its application in some cases, has changed, but not its truth. So the Catechism Explained, I got that here for us at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. The Catechism Explained, an exhaustive explanation of the Catholic religion, and it's by Spirago and Clark, the authors. It's very expensive. If you get a hardcover um it is $196 It's on Amazon. However, there is a, another um, uh, rendition of it, a paperback, that is um, a soft cover, and it's the same thing, uh, word for word. Um, it is the paperback edition of the one I just told you. And in paperback, it sells for sixteen ninety nine, And the hardcover new edition with the white cover rather than the black hard cover with gold writing and all that is thirty two ninety five and the paperback sixteen ninety five. Many people will be able to purchase that uh in its um not revised but um uh less expensive uh publishing. Um and so um I I recommend it to everyone listening. If you want to learn your faith, 
don't worry about going to your priests or your bishops, not because there are not good priests and bishops, but God has given us the tools. He's given us the scriptures. He's given us good catechisms. He's given us all the encyclicals of the holy popes of the past, magnificent writings, and we have them. So don't let your faith grow weak or questionable because of some modern-day answers that may not do you any favor. Okay. Um, And since God has given you that grace, my dear one, I think now you have a responsibility to follow through and do that. And again, if you have a couple of friends who are with you on that and you can form maybe a weekly study group and read it through together, you don't need anybody giving you answers. Just read it through together. The answers are there. So, um, God bless you. And um, I'm going to go to our second email from somebody who writes in anonymously as well, who says, I have been married for 25 years. My husband and I are both Catholic. He is a weak Catholic and resents me going to daily Mass and does not always attend Sunday Mass. He told me he was a practicing Catholic and appeared to be before we were married. Well, he might have been a practicing Catholic, but he's not now, and he's not Catholic. Someone who doesn't understand you're going to daily Mass and who doesn't always attend Sunday Mass is not Catholic. They are not Catholic. Every time they miss Sunday Mass, they must, they have to understand it's for them, if they claim to be Catholic, it is a grave sin, and if they're aware of that, it's a mortal sin. And if they do not go to confession and they receive communion uh, the following Sunday, having not received communion the previous Sunday, they are committing mortal sin upon mortal sin. She says this, We have our youngest child, 13, still at home. In front of my children, he is often nasty and criticizes me on how poorly I cook the meals and my housekeeping, etc., Our home is clean, and my cooking is fine. He works and does very well. We are very comfortable. I do not work. I do not need to do to finances. Um, Yet, he says he is resentful of this. We have a younger... This, I'm assuming you mean because you're not working. We have a younger teenager at home. Our youngest son is very busy, and I am always driving him here or there. I do our laundry and cook and clean. My question or problem is, he expects intimacy most evenings, yet he hurts my feelings and has a bad temper on most days. This is a terrible uh, aphrodisiac and puts me in a bad mindset. What do I do? To get a job um, for mother's hour so I could be home, be intimate always. I lived with him before marriage, and I feel I have brought this cross upon myself. I have, well, if you live with him before marriage, my dear one, I would say that's a pretty good assessment that you brought this cross upon yourself. We can't go backwards and live in regret, but they're the fruit of our choices that I wish others uh, understood before they were married. She says, I have confessed the sin of living together and have a hard time forgiving myself. 
Well, beloved, uh, to that I say, are you greater than God? Are you greater than God? If God, in his infinite mercy, can forgive you, then, and you don't forgive yourself, you're slapping God in the face. You're saying, I'm greater than you. Your forgiveness is fine, but my judgment is even greater and I don't accept it. No, 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 no. Uh, you must, um, um, you're, it's not for you to forgive yourself. It's for God to forgive you and for you to accept that, to accept in humility your sinfulness. I could think back to things I did years ago and I could die 10,000 times when I think of them. But am I to forgive myself? I'm not God. No, I go to confession. God forgives me and I must accept his forgiveness. It's a point of humility. I must, that's what humility is, seeing yourself sanely. So I must accept that I was that sinful and accept the grace and the mercy of God and be free from that sin and and thank God and live a holy life after that. Those who can't forgive themselves, it's a matter of pride, really. It's to say, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe it. I wish I could reverse it, but you can't reverse it. And if you can't believe you did that, it's a matter of pride. Humility is seeing yourself as you are. You need to believe you're capable of those things and were. And above all, that God has forgiven you. If you have a problem with that, you're going to have a problem with forgiving others. You're going to have a problem with loving. Of course, she said, um, if I had done it God's way, I feel I would not be in this position. That may be the case. I know God works all things for good. Could you give me advice how to deal with him, meaning her husband? Thank you so much. Well, this is a very rough circumstance. Um, it really is a very rough circumstance. Um, uh, if your husband's salary supports you, you continue to be home with the children and don't work. You continue to be home and to have meals ready and to clean the house and if he's commented on some of your meals and you think your cooking is fine, uh, find out what he's talking about. Uh, get a, a special cookbook if you need to. And, uh, you know, maybe your meals are too simple. Maybe they're too well done. Maybe they're not well enough, done enough. You think they're fine. But if he thinks your cooking could be better, why not make that a sacrifice and please him? Why not say, tell me, sweetheart, you've been telling me my cooking could be better. Um, and... I I really haven't attended to that because I don't know how. Can you give me an idea of what it is? And he could say, well, it's too salty. It's not done enough. It's too plain. Whatever he says, this is a small thing for you. Go out and get a good cookbook and learn how to cook better, if that's the case. You say your meals are fine, but if your husband says you're not a good enough cook, that's a very small area for you to show your love and improve a very, very small area. Um, let's see now. Um, what else did you say here? You're driving your son all over the place. You do your laundry and cook and clean. Well, that's, that's your vocation. That's what should happen. Um, 
I don't know what else you do. I don't know how present you are to your husband. I don't know what your relationship is. Um, but through your love, through your faithfulness, you might bring him truly to the Catholic Church because he's not Catholic now. He goes sometimes. And again, though sometimes, if he goes and he hasn't received confession, he must not receive the Eucharist. Um, as far as intimacy most evenings, um, you know, sweetheart, a wife should be present to her husband. She should be present to her husband. You must not use any form of contraception. You must not use any form of contraception uh, whatsoever. He must not use a condom. You must not use the pill or uh, anything. You must not. And so if you have relations every evening or just about every evening, you need to be open to having more children. Um, so that's number one. The only thing I'm thinking of here is that if he's living in sin, mortal sin, because he does not go to Mass every Sunday, because he does not go to confession, let's say, because he's not living a Catholic life, and yet you were married, I'm guessing, in a Catholic church, um, and he's agreed to raise the children Catholic. He's really not raising them Catholic if he's not going to Mass every Sunday, and if he might be in mortal sin. And the status of your being intimate with a man in mortal sin uh, who's turned from God, I I don't know. You, I, I'm telling you this now, and maybe we ha- can have a canon lawyer or someone call in to correct me, or I can look it up after the program. I don't know your obligation to be intimate with him if he's in mortal sin, claiming to be a Catholic and living in mortal sin. Um, you see, um, when somebody is in mortal sin, they are effectively excommunicated from the church, and they are to be put out as an unbeliever. I'm not telling you to put him out of your house, but to live in mortal sin, to live separated from God, to not keep his marriage vows uh, in that way, I don't know how obligated, I hate to use that word, you are to intimacy with him, especially that frequently. Um, I don't know that. It's something for you to find out. Um, but I would say, do whatever you can to love your husband, to not fight him, to not counter the things that displease or annoy him, but show your love by living a sacrificial life, by respecting him, by being there for him as much as you can. That sort of love, not resentment, not separation, uh, may really bring him, may convert him. It may truly convert him after 25 years. Um, uh, So outside of speaking to you, I, I don't know what else to say. Um, and again, he hurts your feelings, has a bad temper in most days. It's terrible. He puts you in a bad mindset. But see, that's you can do something about that. Your intimacy with him really 
should not be withdrawn because he hurts your feelings and has a bad temper um, and that he puts you in a bad mindset. Don't let him control you. You are the one that needs to walk with God and show to him, show him that his poor behavior, his immoral behavior, his childish behavior, all of that is not going to rob you of your walk with Christ. You're going to come back to him lovingly. You're going to say, sweetheart, I'm so sorry you feel that way. You're going to say, you know, honey, that really hurts me when you talk to me like that, when you say those things. Maybe there's a better way you could help me to get over the things that displease you. Whatever it is, try walking with Christ and don't respond to him as he responds to you. I don't imagine that I've helped you much. I think you're right that if you hadn't lived with him before marriage, you would not be in this position. But as you also rightly said, God works all things together for good. He will work this together for good. But don't let your Christianity, your sainthood, be dependent upon your husband. Your vocation is to get him to heaven, is to make him a saint. And the only way you can do that is by being a saint yourself, not dependent upon your husband, dependent upon your walk with God. Okay, and see if you can get a good, holy, spiritual director. There's the music for our break, beloved. Uh, Again, you're welcome to call in toll-free with anything on your heart, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. St. Vincent de Paul said, Charity is certainly greater than any rule. Moreover, all rules must lead to charity. How can we show lasting charity to our neighbors? By leaving a bequest in your will to the Station of the Cross, you're providing a great opportunity for hearts to come to know our Lord. If you've worked hard and have been blessed financially, consider leaving a bequest to the Station of the Cross. Please speak with your financial advisor or lawyer for more information. We also welcome you to contact us about a bequest so that we can help Catholic Radio continue spreading the love of God throughout our world. Call 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. Our phone, we have many emails, but just to let you know, our phone lines are wide open. And if there's something really strong on your heart or a question about what we've been talking about, feel free to call in. one 5483 We have an email from Bonnie who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, God bless you. I've been listening to your podcast and gained such blessing from your talks. Thank you for your devotion to God. Thank you, Bonnie. I have a very important question. I have been a Protestant, different denominations, for all of my 61 years. I was baptized as a baby in the Evangelical and Reformed Church and again at age 22 in a Baptist church. Most recently, I studied Reformed doctrines. However, in the past two years, I have been reading a lot about the early fathers praying and have come to the realization that the Catholic Church is the true church. You remind me, Bonnie, of uh, John Henry Cardinal Newman's statement who said, um, to dig deep into history is to cease to be Protestant. Then you're an example of that. Um, she says, now, let me just see. Hang on. <clears throat> About five years ago, my husband of 35 years and I had found a small Lutheran church to attend in our small Kansas town. Before that, he had not attended church. He likes this church and likes the people who are our neighbors. He is a believer in Christianity and Christian values for our country. I want to join the Catholic Church with my whole soul, but do I try to wait on my husband and pray that we would go together, or should I prayerfully tell him that I want to go to the Catholic Church? He is my best friend in this world, but I also know that the Lord calls us to follow him. My prayer is that we both become Catholic, but I want to obey our Lord. One other thing, our oldest son is married to a wonderful Catholic woman, and they have three small children who are being raised Catholic. Our son goes to church with her, but has not become Catholic yet. I pray for him, his family, and our younger son, and his wife also. I just feel that the Lord in his mercy has been leading me home through my life. I know each day is a gift from God that we cannot take for granted, and I will obey the Lord with his help. 
I would so appreciate your prayers and guidance, Mother Miriam. You are truly a shining light being used by the Lord for his kingdom. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Well, thank you, dear Bonnie. Bonnie, this is a tough situation. I know that. But if God has led you so, and you are convinced that the Catholic Church is the true church, I think you need to be Catholic. I think you need to be Catholic. You've changed churches several times with your husband. He's gone with you. He may not understand the difference between uh, Protestantism in its forms and Catholicism. He may or may not. I don't know that. But um, I w- if you're best friends and you have a wonderful marriage, I would sit down with him and say, sweetheart, I didn't intend this. It kind of snuck up on me. I've been studying. I always want to know God more. I always want to know our faith more. I always want to look back to our roots in history. And, uh, and you can tell him that John Henry Cardinal Newman said to dig deep into history is to cease being Protestant. You can say, I didn't expect it. I didn't realize that. But, sweetheart, I'm Catholic now. I'm Catholic in my heart. I believe it's true. And... I think before God, I have the the duty, the responsibility to respond to his grace and enter the Catholic Church, honey. I would love you to do it with me, of course, but you cannot do what you don't believe or understand. Um, but I, I think I'd like to do that. And you could say to him, what I'd like to do to begin with is start RCIA classes. You can do that September and they're usually nine months, and say to him, honey, would you come with me uh, to those classes? Because that'll give you a good um, understanding of what the Catholic Church is over nine months. And if if you your heart is open to it and you wish that we can both enter the Catholic Church next Easter, you can do it that way. It's slow, um, and you'd be with him. But what you need to do is make sure, if you do that, you are in a very good RCIA program. You're not in an RCA program, for example, run by a layperson who hardly knows the faith. You're not in an RCA program run by a priest or a woman or anyone else who thinks women should be priests or deacons or anything else. You don't want to touch anything of that. You want authentic, authentic Catholicism. And so you need to find a very reverent, orthodox, wonderful church. I personally would always suggest you attend the Tridentine Mass, the the Latin Mass, and take instructions with the pre... They don't have RCIA uh, classes, uh, the Rite of Christian uh, uh, Initiation for Adults. The priest will take you through the faith and your husband. And you can say to your husband, there's no obligation, sweetheart, but I want to learn, and would you come with me? Would you come with me? And at the end, if you don't wish to join, I respect your uh, your need to follow God as you understand him and as you understand truth. And honey, I, I need you to respect mine as well. I know it's going to mean we wind up going to two different churches, and I'm so sorry about that. Um, but God is greater than 
our marriage, our everything. We need to trust and follow him. And maybe also, Bonnie, if you become Catholic, that your son, whose wife is Catholic, will really take it seriously and say, what's going on here? And look into it himself. Or you could even invite your son. You could say, your dad and I are going to go through instruction with the priest or RCIA, whatever it is. Um, We'd love you to join us and see what this is all about. So that's a thought. Uh, But since you're at a good Lutheran church now, I would call the Coming Home Network International. And there's a book uh, compiled um, as... Um, uh, Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the door. Uh, Wittenberg, there's a book called 95 Reasons Why These Lutherans Became Catholic, but it's a book of Lutheran converts to the Catholic Church, all of them converts who were strong Lutherans to the Catholic Church. That would be a good book for you and your husband to read together in the evenings. Okay, there's the music for our second break. Um, We'll be right back, beloved. It's a short break. Call in with anything on your heart, toll free or text 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. Oliver Plunkett, glorious martyr St. Oliver, who freely gave your life for your faith. Help us also to be strong in our faith. May we be loyal like you to the See of Peter. By your intercession and example, may all hatred and bitterness be banished from the hearts of men and women. May the peace of Christ reign in our hearts, as it did in yours, even at the moment of your death. Amen. Find out which show airs when by checking out our programming grid. You can access it at thestationofthecross.com and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community. Connect with us through social media and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Um, we are right in the middle of an email that I'm going to begin again. Um, no, no, we haven't, we can take a new email now. I'm so sorry. Um, it's from Deborah, who writes, Dear Mother, I first want to thank you for your dedication and your courage to give, to give us the truth that is not wrapped up in a sugar-coated wrapper. Um, I love hearing what others are too afraid to say. Well, Deborah, I love those who want to hear what some are too afraid to say. Good. I am trying, Deborah says, to find out what our faith has to say about burying babies that have been stillborn and create, cremated by the hospital. Offhand, I say that's 100% fine. Um, but let me um, let me just look one thing up here. Um, uh because there are, um, okay, I'm so sorry. There are sites that that answer that, um, but it's fine. Uh, burying the dead is a corporal work of mercy. Um, every Catholic cemetery, some feel, should have a, a, a separate section, even, um, for... Uh, miscarriages or stillborns or uh, babies that that um, that are are um, don't come to full birth and or who die immediately after birth i I think that's Catholic teaching I've been to um, a burial of a baby born um uh, actually i think a still uh, not even a stillborn born after so long. Uh, but the baby came out of the mother's womb and it may have been 20 weeks or whatever it is, but there was a total little tiny human being there with every part, feet and hands and everything. And so um, I went to the, uh, there was a mass for that baby. Uh, we went to the cemetery. We buried the baby with a priest in charge. There was a, in fact, there was a whole area of the cemetery dedicated for um those babies that don't come to full term. So let me go on with this. Um, Deborah says, in short, I am a cradle Catholic who strayed for many years and returned three years ago with a very strong faith. Blessed be God. During the last three years, I went through an annulment, uh, returned three years ago with a very strong faith. During the last three years, I went through an annulment, married in the Catholic Church, and finally completed my confirmation. I don't ever want to lose my Lord and Savior ever again. I have been working on making my home one that the Lord would be welcomed in. In doing this, I came across two stillborn babies that my daughter miscarried while she was using drugs from several years ago. My daughter gave each of them to me to hold as it was too much for her to deal with at the time. She is currently in a sober living home and is hopefully on the right road to sobriety. She was baptized Catholic, and we went to a Catholic church 
until she was almost five years old. At that point, I left the Catholic Church for reasons that do not even matter today. We went to a four-square church during most of her adolescent years. Well, those reasons do marry today because the fruit of it is that she's away from the faith. Um, If I am left to make the decision as to what to do with these babies, I want to make sure I do the right thing according to our faith. Thanking you in advance for your wisdom and knowledge. God bless Deborah. This is very confusing, Deborah. Um, These babies have been stillborn and cremated at the hospital. But... um, you say that your daughter, <clears throat> I've been doing this, in doing this, in trying to make her home a place that our Lord would be welcome. She said, I came across two stillborn babies that my daughter miscarried while she was using drugs from several years ago. I don't even understand that. Do you mean those stillborn babies have been kept in the drawer or shoebox? All these years, and they're now dried out or decomposed. I, I don't understand. Did you keep them? Um, oh, you said they've been stillborn and create, cremated by the hospital. So you have them in a cremated condition. Yes, go bury that. Go bury them. In cremated condition, yes, go bury them. Um, when you cremate someone, anyone of any age... Um, you are not to keep the cremated remains, uh, remains in your home. You are to have them buried or put them in a, in a mausoleum. So yes, go ahead and bury those two cremated uh, remains. <clears throat> if I'm wrong on this, I ask someone to correct me on that. But those cremated remains should not be in your house. Um, we have an email from Lauren. Hi, Mother. Can you speak about the importance of a daily examination of conscience? My goodness, yes. Uh, you know, it was said that John Paul, Saint Pope John Paul II went to confession every day. Um, we can never confess too much. We sin every day. Most of us do. We may not know what it is. <laughs> Excuse me. Pardon me. How do we yawn? Um, in fact, Israel when God gave them the sacrificial system and gave the responsibility to the high priest Aaron to, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the Day of Covering, when God covered them sin, their sins by the blood of those sacrifices, um, <clears throat> Aaron went in to the Holy of Holies and he sacrificed for the sins of Israel um, on that Day of Atonement uh, but they were for the entire nation and the unintentional sins of the nation. To confess and atone for individual sins, the individual had to bring individual animals at the right time and place, the right animal to the priest. But but confession for the nation was for unintentional sin. You see, we sin most of the time. We don't know it. We're not pure. And so it's very important that you do a daily examination of conscience. We do it here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, as part of the Compline, the night office. It begins with a time of examination of conscience and then confession. Um, That really is a good 
uh, way to live for every single Catholic human being. Before you go to bed at night, examine your conscience. Use the Ten Commandments. Uh, use, you know, have I offended anyone today? Have I offended God in any way? Have I done something I shouldn't have done? Have I failed to do something I should have done? Was I unkind to a sibling, a, na- a neighbor, uh, whatever it is? You see, look at the corporal works of mercy. Look at all those goods we should be doing. And every night examine your conscience. You may not have clothed someone, but it doesn't mean you failed to clothe somebody unless you passed someone naked on the street and did nothing about it. You see? So every single night, it's important to do an examination of conscience and then ask God for forgiveness, make an act of contrition, and um, and he will strengthen you to go on and to live for him even more so. <clears throat> The more you do an examination of conscience, the more your conscience is cleansed, the more sensitive you are to sin. There are some very great sinners who say, I'm a good person, I don't sin. And they actually mean it because they believe it, because their consciences are so seared with sin, with lack of confession, all of that, that they don't even know how much they sin all the time, every day. The more you confess, the purer you are, the more sensitive you will be to sin. Okay, hold on. Excuse me, I don't know why I'm yawning. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Good morning, Miriam. My client and I got into a discussion about the pains of the flames of purgatory. What is the difference between the flames of purgatory and the flames of hell? How could any soul suffer the flames of purgatory without going insane? Well, it's a very good question. I do not know the difference between the flames of purgatory and the flames of hell, except the flames of purgatory are for purification uh, of us. The flames of hell uh, never die out, and we will feel them through all eternity. They are forever. They never, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. The flames of hell are forever. And and yet, um, and yet, it does not burn up the people in hell. So they're, they're a sort of flame uh, that doesn't burn up the people in purgatory either. I don't know what those flames are, but um, they're, they're intense uh, and they're painful but they don't destroy the human being. Um, Because otherwise, uh, people would not live forever. And they do, either in heaven or in hell. And of course, as you know, purgatory is the preparation for for heaven. It's not a second chance. It's the final stage of sanctification uh, with which no one will see God. And so, um, uh, however God, God is the God who gave his life for us. And purgatory is a place where all the droth, the wood, hay, and stubble will be purged, and it will be painful. But uh, no one is going to go insane, because that is God's way of purging us, of getting rid of all the stuff that we cannot have if we appear before him. Self-love, that's the biggest thing, actually. The I in the middle of sin is the problem. Everything is focused on I. 
St. Catherine of Genoa wrote a book called The Fire of God's Love. It's a little booklet, and I suggest you might try to get it. Um, It's called The Fire of God's Love, and she was given the grace or the horror by God of visiting purgatory. She was there. She saw the flames of hell. She saw the suffering, and she said this, The greatest pain of purgatory is the pain of a soul in love with God who cannot yet be with him. That's what she said, more than the flames, more than any other pain, because when we're in in purgatory, we will... uh, We will be nearer to God than we've ever been. We will be done with sin. We will be done with temptation. We will be done with the presence of sin and its power. We just can't. We'll we'll be as close to God as we've ever gotten, but we cannot be with him yet because we're not yet pure. And that's what purgatory does. And Catherine said that if any soul in purgatory were given the opportunity to go right now before they're utterly, utterly pure, to go into the presence of God, to leave purgatory, and to go to heaven. She said not one soul would take it, because the love for God is so strong, they could not bear to be in his presence with one taint of sin. You see? So that's the answer. Uh, We only see things, you know, if I put my hand on the stove and the burner's on, I'm going to get burnt badly. But... uh, However God handles that in purgatory, it's not the case. And we don't go insane. In fact, we grow in holiness. How that is, I don't know. Perhaps I'll find out one day. On my way to heaven, please God. Um, Okay, we have an email from Thomas um, who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, Hello, I I wanted to thank you again for answering my questions. You were most helpful and gave me exactly what I needed. Thomas, I don't remember offhand what it was, but blessed be God that it was helpful. He says, I did have a question, though. Is your response, in your response, you alluded to a book where His Holiness Pope Emeritus Benedict said he believed every Catholic should celebrate, yes, the Passover. Um... Uh, not to call the Passover their own as Jews, but to celebrate their heritage as coming from the Jewish faith. Absolutely. I was wondering if it is not too much trouble if you could find the name of that book for me. Thank you, Mother, and God bless you. Oh, my goodness. Um, It was in a book that I think was an interview Um, And if you, uh, I'll tell you, my brother David with the Association of Hebrew Catholics will probably be able to give you the title of that book because he's quoted Pope Benedict from that book. Call the Association of Hebrew Catholics. Um, I think, um, uh, oh, I forgot their number, but it's HebrewCatholic.net on the web. Um, HebrewCatholic.net on the web and you can contact them and ask my brother David that question. I think he'll be able to help you. He's the one who pointed it out to me. Um, So, beloved, there's our ending music. We're going to go, well, it's the weekend. Oh, have a beautiful weekend. We'll be back on Monday to answer the rest of your emails and texts and calls. God bless you, dear ones.